Hey, before we get started, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod on our website, launchpadpod.com. Watch us on YouTube. Today, we got a little bit of a different episode, guys. We actually planned something. It's going to be great. Um, today, we're talking about big teams in, in history, in movies, the best teams. I can't wait because we don't normally talk about sports. I'm not much of a sports guy, so I'm really excited to talk about these teams. Um, you know we're talking about Toon Squad. You know we're talking about the Hickory High Huskers. It's going to be great. So um, <laughs> tune in on the Launchpad Podcast. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a Welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Let's go. I never thought we would do a sports episode, Matt. And, and even though I'm not a big sports guy, I'm excited. We're talking about sports ball. But the look on your face, that's not what you thought this episode was going to be about, is it? So it's funny because I literally realized as I wrote my list up today, I was like, you and I texted each other a day or two ago and was like, hey, let's record soon. You know what? Let's do an episode about the best teams. And I remember I realized today as I thought to myself, hmm, what do I mean when I say best teams? I was like, well, not only do I not know, but I certainly didn't share my thoughts with you. So I was like, I should text him and write. And I was like, no, just see what he does for this. And we'll see. So you did all sports stuff, which sounds good. So I, I watched Varsity Blues and I watched uh, Blue Mountain <laughs> State. Uh, go West Canaan Coyotes is all I can say. Um, I did I did Hoosiers. I did the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the That's Dylan all High sports Panthers movies I, I know. Friday Night Lights. <laughs> oh, no. Sandlot. I did two movies about Prefontaine, but I know he wasn't on a team. But two movies of the same guy, I think, counts as a team as a team <laughs> okay. situation. How about the team full of ghosts? Ooh, Field of Dreams. If it, <laughs> if you build it, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to be dirty. It didn't have to be. I watched the porn version called "If There's Grass on the Field of <laughs> Field of Dreams." <laughs> That's not a perfect joke, but that's pretty good for completely off the cuff with no... Um, yeah, man, block. we didn't workshop this. So what teams did you want to talk about? Who's so, your, who are your Yeah, teams? so this is this, this is my idea that I pitched to Rumi, or I guess half-ass pitched. But my pitch was when you watch a movie... This is how it was in my head that I didn't explain to you at all. So let's see if we we're on the same page. My whole thought was when you watch a movie and the movie tells you, hey... These guys, girls, whatever, this group has been together for a while. They've been through some shit together. They are a tight, packed team. Mm. They're there for each other. They know each other. And you need to believe that. That's and interesting. I, that I was going Well, yes, to an extent. But looking into this, most movies aren't about the tight, packed, been there, done that team. It's about putting the team together for the first time. Because Correct. People, That's a whole different thing. People love an origin story. And that's something that's always like, okay, like even the Avengers movie is about how the Avengers came together, Correct. right? Right. 
And I, are, that's the, that's when I, Amanda said, what are you recording tonight? And I said, we're doing teams. She said like the Avengers. I said, no. And then I started listing the ones that I have on my list that to me, like when I watch those movies, um, I'll, I'll tell you what, let me, let me give you the one that started it all for me. That's the one that gave me this idea the last time I watched this movie about a year ago. Okay. Um, it's a sequel. I mean, I think they all have to be because it's like, I can't do Avengers one, but I can do. No, Avengers no, two. no. A couple of mine are first ones. Okay. All right. It's a sequel. It's a sci-fi action sequel. Mm-hmm. The Colonel Marine, Space, Space Marines. Exactly. So yeah, 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 yeah. you watch Aliens and you have these ass-kicking Marines. You meet them as they come out of hypersleep. And I marvel every time I watch this movie, I feel like these guys and girls have been through the shit together. They love each other. They're there for each other. It's their job to fight together. But they bust each other's balls. They're a family. They're knocking, you know, clearly you have a pwn is in charge, right? And you have the new sergeant is 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 put into this team that they don't like him. And he's, you know, more of a an executive than an actual battle sergeant. You have Bill Paxton is like the kid brother of the team who he does his job. He hacks those fucking machines and he is a fighter. But also, he's the one that's going to fuck around and he's the one that's going to be, you know, getting in trouble and saying stupid shit. And somebody who's part of the team, not outside the team, like the new their new sergeant, he's the one that they're busting the balls the most. They're the one who they're doing the mumbly peg to and stuff like sure, that. Sure, right, right, right. And then you have you have Drake and Vasquez, the two with the smart guns, the, what my dad calls the rock and roll machine guns. Yeah. Those two are like a subgroup in that, and you know that those two take their heavy artillery seriously. The fact that she gives him one of her extra ammo containers once they get the ammo stripped when they're underneath the power core you know that those two are like brothers in blood right they're a band Mm -hmm. of brothers those two specifically i just every time i watch that show in any scene it just to me feels like this is an army unit they are here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and i just get the feeling i and and part of me might be biased because i you know after the hundredth time seeing the movie heard that they filmed all of those sequences in almost essentially in reverse chronological order so that by the time they were shooting the wake up out of cryo sleep scene they were they had been through the whole movie together so at that point they all knew each other you know and i think that's cool and i think that makes sense and watching that movie i just i feel that i feel that these guys have been with each other on multiple planets on multiple engagements and are an actual, you know, cohesive unit that fights together. I just, I completely believe that every time I see that movie. That's a great point because I do love their interaction and you definitely believe that they've, they've fought together. They know each other. They have inside jokes. They have inside jokes that they're letting the audience in on, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. And your, your note about the, the Vasquez and the, and the heavy machine guns, it's like, they're also like technically, if you break down a team into its facets um, in the turn, in, you know, different terms, whether it's, role-playing games whether it's video games you have the heavy which is somebody who's just there to lay down a lot of firepower or soak up a lot of firepower or just be a big bruiser and like these are those that's their role in the team and they stick together it's like you you immediately understand who they are what their roles are in the team you know you got your tactical guy you have your computer guy you got the the pilot and you have the heavy and that's like you know team teams 
are important when you have those classifications. And and you're right. I think aliens is one of the best ones to immediately get you immersed in their world. And you're like, I know who these people are. And it's like, I love their little jokes that they have. They're like, this is just another bug hood, man. You're like, what does that even mean? I've, we've we've talked about this. I on forget the, show. the alien species, but when they're eating dinner, yeah. and they're like, "Yeah, that's because you had a male," and he's like, "Doesn't matter what it, it's it's not Carillion, but doesn't matter when it's Nubian." And they're like, yeah. "You know, this, you get the I, I just I believe it a hundred percent every time." And you could say that that's in the writing. You can yep. say that that's in the um in the acting and in the camaraderie of the cast as as talent as actors. But I I just every time I watch it, I'm enthralled with that dynamic and i totally believe it you know and uh apone yeah hudson, chewing on come here yeah come here like hudson's fucking around in the meeting and then now, apone is like come here here's a Just, question for you is is that is what they have going in that movie cliche or did it become cliche because of what they did now obviously we had already had things like full metal jacket um, there had been other movies that have shown the military and, and these character tropes, but like, do you think a lot of this, I know that because of aliens, tons, anytime you have sci-fi space Marines, it's this, I mean, you don't, you don't get, sure. you don't get starship troopers without having this movie, right? Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's one of those that broke them. It's almost literally like the design of the alien itself. There's so many aspects of that design that make it into aliens of all other things, right? Comic books, mm-hmm. movies, cartoons. And even though it doesn't like some stuff like the double jaws or the elongated head, obviously are the alien, but there's so many nuances of that design that make it into other alien designs. And it's just because it has to pay homage or steal from that. And I think the same thing is true with the the, the space Marine aspect. Like it, it's just one of those, I don't even know if it was the first one, if you wanted to dig, if you could find a, earlier appearance but it is the best appearance of space marines right it's the best appearance of a kick-ass no nonsense except for hudson you know group that's there to kick ass in space and space marines some aliens that's it right there yeah um that's a good one man um i'm gonna i'm gonna take it out of space i'm gonna take it out of space um I'm going to take it back to Morty. 18- literally everything is in space. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to take it back to 1844. How about that? Damn. Okay. Um, so we're going back to 1844. And this is a <clears throat> French historical adventure novel written by French author Alexander Dumas. I mean, Dumas. Sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. It was just there for the taking. Classic mispronunciation of the great French writer Alexander Dumas. Um it's a swashbuckler, you know, Three Musketeers, man. So here's an interesting Fair. thing. Three Musketeers is a book about four dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Little known fact. Did you know? <laughs> and it's this guy, Dark D'Artagnan, and he's like, dude, I wanna I wanna join the Musketeers. I want to join the three Musketeers. It's like, bro, it's in the name. You can't join us. It's just not gonna work. <laughs> we out. don't have a vacancy dude yeah this is a trio but he ends up proving himself and joining the team now now because you i didn't know we were doing like established teams so i'm pivoting a little bit but this still works for me because the three musketeers in every iteration you usually have this guy on the outside trying to become part of the team on the inside and the team on the inside is a clockwork team of crack swashbucklers who are all just super badass and he keeps trying to insert himself into their party and they keep like fucking 
busting his nuts and kicking him out of the party. And he finally proves himself and they let him be a part of their adventure squad after like almost dying, risking his life and like, you know, saving the French king or whatever they have to do. Um, there's been a million movies of this. Like, you know, you, you had one with like Leonardo DiCaprio in it. There's like tons and tons and tons of Three Musketeer movies. I think it's one of the like next to Robin Hood, one of the most um, uh, most a uh, book that's been made in the movie the most. It's it's sure, sure, a sure. million adaptations, like most iterations. Yeah, it's got it. There's just tons of them, and I don't know why. Because is it that good? Is it really? Well, that that's what's going to be my next question for you. Was have you read the original or seen any of the movies? I've seen at least three of the movies. Um, obviously, 1993, Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Platt, and Chris O'Donnell. Um, that one's a lot of fun. Um, Man in the Iron Mask, which is basically another version of this. I saw that. Right. Um, the 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 one like there's a 1948 one that's really famous. Um, Lana Turner's in it, and uh, Gene Kelly. Um, 1940, you know, 1948. So it's 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 that one's a lot of fun swashbuckling and stuff. But as a team goes, you have these guys, these three people who are so efficient. They're so good at their job. And there's just like a lot of fun swashbuckling and swashbuckling is a genre that I, we don't get enough anymore. Like, honestly, I don't know if it's because people don't care about the genre. If people aren't interested in the time period, we got a little bit of that in the pirates of the Caribbean movies. And we got a little bit of that in the prequels, um, star Wars, I, I think that's when they brought lightsaber dueling to swashbuckling level. Um, in the prequels, you mean? Yeah, in the prequels. The, the, they elevated the fights to a swashbuckling level in my mind, where it's like tons of sword. That play. makes sense. And as a genre, I think I think we're missing out on that a little bit. Like, And I know they tried to do it with like Robin Hood. Um, obviously, the Errol Flynn era of Robin Hood, you had a lot of swashbuckling action, um, Captain Blood. You know, pirate movies, um, musketeer movies, and and Robin Hood is like that's the era for that to happen, um, and it's just fun. You know, it's a fun fun genre to have and and good action swordplay. Why not? So I, yeah. So here's my two questions for you: is one take swashbuckling, right? Yeah. What what do you think if you're able to answer this? this is kind of a tangent, but <laughs> which I know we never do here. But <laughs> what do you think makes it a swashbuckling movie or a swashbuckling feature scene? rather than action or fight or lightsaber, like what makes it swashbuckling specifically it is a focus on specifically a type of sword play it's not um so like in the original star wars their version of sword play was very clash clash and defend it's 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 medieval broadsword fighting uh swashbuckling is is fencing it's pure fencing it's it's quick fast movements quick attack and defense um and and you're a lot of movement you're you're traversing an area you know hmm. the famous is going up the stairs fighting up the stairs fighting down the stairs swinging from a chandelier um princess bride had tons of swashbuckling in it and i think um I, I, you know just like a martial arts movie like what makes it a kung fu movie different than just a movie where people are very physical and there's lots of fight scenes well because it's got the kung fu in it swashbuckling i think has to have a level of fencing involved and fancy sword play like a choreography with a specific type of sword a swashbuckling movie isn't going to have a giant broadsword. You're not going to be doing two-handed smashing through with axes. But if you have, you know, some quick, fast action, it's about speed. I think there's something about the speed and the movement that makes swashbuckling exciting is traversing an area with lots of fast clashing of swords. And it's like, that's that's fun and exciting. And especially All when right. you have a good choreographer, like, man, what an exciting scene. Okay, that makes sense. Do you think the tone 
of the fight, if not the movie, is important to whether or not it could be classified as a swashbuckler. See, that's where it can get interesting. This is where I think there's room to play. Because, like, look, I don't really care or see a need for a lot of, like, 18th century French films to be coming out anytime. Like, me saying, like, man, I would love to see a good swashbuckling film be made today with what we have going on. And people are like, oh, but like just last year, they made another Robin Hood movie and nobody went and saw it. Yeah, because nobody wants to see Robin Hood anymore. Like, stop making Robin Hood movies. We've done it a million times. We already saw it. <laughs> we already saw it. I, I don't think we necessarily need an, like, it, it seems like they keep remaking Musketeer movies. But, but put a swashbuckler in space. Like, who, why the, who, it doesn't, I don't think you need a specific era. I don't think it has to be 18th century France to be cool. Like, I wouldn't mind swashbuckling in a different location. Let's see what happens. Contrary to popular belief, 18th century France is not the only cool we can show in cinema. <laughs> but I mean, like all the, all the um, pirate movies, right? Those, those are fun. That was good. But, again, but so it's like- you've used the word fun numerous times. Now, I agree yeah. with you for a sword fight or sword play to be swashbuckling. It needs to be fast and it needs to be energetic. And I like your analogy of broadswords. I would have said samurai, but samurais are essentially broadsword fighting, but in a different country, in a different era, right? Um, the original Star Wars is very much that clash, like you said. It's more slower and calculated strike and defend and back and forth, exactly what you said. But I feel like I, I, I swashbucking is not a genre that I know well, but I feel like at least the ones I'm familiar with have a certain level of ha-ha in it. Like it's... This is fun. Like, yes, we're trying to stab each other with swords, but like, you know, ah, this is a good time where you're the bad guy. I'm the good guy. It doesn't really matter. We're having a good time here. I, I'm trying to think if I can think of any serious swashbuckling that I can think of where like it's not even just that there, there, there are or are not stakes. It's are the characters having fun? You know, like Robin Hood, Errol Flynn is a very good example because I feel like he's ha 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 ha. No, you're is right. He... There's so much ha 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 going on. Like, yeah, and I feel like that's very important to swashbuckling, right? And and pithy retorts, like when they're when they're doing all the fight scenes in Princess Bride, when he's like, "Oh, I'm not using yeah. my left hand." And you're like, "Ha ha!" Like, there's and that's so like much ex- ha ha. That's, a, that's a um exaggeration, right? Yeah. That the the whole place the, the, that's a satire of that. But even if you pull it back into real terms. There still is that pithy ha ha. So what you're saying is we need a gritty reboot in space. Yeah, I'd watch the shit out of that though. Where some guy's just miserable and mean and swashbuckling the yeah, shit out of some like, stuff. Like the late 80s, early 90s comic book mood attitude where everything was in the rain and stormy and sad, but swashbuckling. Would that be swashbuckling? I, I think all you need is a, a quick, fast sword and a, lot of, a long, prolonged choreographed fight scene. Why not? See, I don't. I, I'm not a fan of swashbucklers, so for sure. Are you a I, fan? I, I'm not not a fan. Like I'm, I'm You'd not be a going good swashbuckler. Uh, look at my mustache, yeah, man. I know for I sure, know. yeah. And you're definitely the most ha person that I know. <laughs> I would definitely be the ha type. Um, and I would love to swing from a chandelier. Come on. Um, can you imagine if me? Because we'd be on the same team. Can you imagine? <laughs> like we're the two musketeers. We're the rocketeers. Can yeah. you imagine if we were swashbuckling in a castle with a bunch of bad guys because it's 18th century France, right? <laughs> and you swung from a chandelier. The second you got down, I would fight my way over to you just to do a mid a mid sword fight high five. We'd have to do that, right? Absolutely. No, I would swing from the chandelier just to give you the high five. And you're like, did you need to swing from that chandelier? I was like, no, dude, I just saw the perfect way to swing down and give you a high five like while you were fighting a dude. And you were like, ha ha. <laughs> 
um you're right there is quite a levity to this to the because because there's there's so much bravado involved you're like you're excited yeah. when you can challenge your sword fighting skills but yeah i would love to see somebody who's just having no fun fighting with a sword for a long period of time <laughs> just like Ugh. like a john wick sw- swashbuckling that's what i'm talking about oh, oh you just got like- oh just huge oh, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> that just that just oh rock hard immediately See, that's what I'm talking about. Let's get a John Wick of swashbuckling. You don't. It doesn't have to be pirates. It doesn't have to be. Look, I don't think I. I, I don't think it's like I'm. I'm a connoisseur of it, but I'm a fan. Any. I don't think I've yeah. ever not liked a good swashbuckling movie. When you're watching, you're like, "This is awesome. Who choreographed this? This is fucking great." Like again, I'm like the next time they make another Three Musketeers, I'm like, "Boo!" But I'm on a plane and I'm watching. And I'm like, "This is great. Look at all this." Did you ever see the Latin Three Musketeers? What's the joke? Three amigos. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're a good team too. But that's that's an origin story, not really a yeah. All right, okay. Do so. All right. Well, going back to teams, then. So we're three amigo, uh, three musketeers is your your first pull for that. Sure. Did you take this assignment that I just said teams, and that's all I told you? Did you take this in a different place? Did you think more origin story teams? Mm, I was just picking like discussions about teams, and three mus- okay. musketeers was on there because I was like, that's a, that's an interesting thing to to look into right. but like don't change movie, your polls based on the directions that i didn't give you but i do <laughs> have, but i do have a few origin stories but that's not necessarily the that's more the movie's fault not the team's fault okay fair well i'll give you another one that i don't know needs as much bravado as the space marines but uh dutch and his commandos hunting down the terrorists and then the predator like i told you know how many times have we seen that movie man a hundred like, I mean, realistically, I've probably seen it 50 times at least. Don't you think that's a reasonable... I'm 40 years old. I feel like I watch it every other year, at least. So that's like 20 times right there. Yeah. Just that. And I feel like I've watched it more than once some of those times. So let's... Even if you just say 20. But anyway, I've seen that movie so many times. Every single time I buy that these guys would follow Dutch Schaefer, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, into hell... And that they would have each other's backs, that um, Hawkins would be telling P-word jokes, Billy would be stone-faced, you know, Jesse Ventura would be, look, I think, and this is something I want to get into later, but I feel like Jesse Ventura is the heavy of that group who wants to be the leader, but knows he's not the leader, you know? Mac is his ride or die. Mac and, Mac and Jesse Ventura, Blaine, they are the Vasquez and Drake of that group where Absolutely. they are bros for life, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I just, every time you watch that, I'd say is, they've cut through those jungles together for years, you know? Predator 1, Predator 2, both set up the teams perfectly because in the first one, I totally believe that these Marines are, are a cohesive team of commandos. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, I believe that that's a team of of. LAPD who have who have been through some shit, man. Right, right. Been on the streets together for a yeah. while, and he's got his unit. Harrigan, Harrigan picked a hell of a day to quit smoking. Um, <laughs> this is the one another. I will always come back to bitch about the Predator. Um, but I didn't buy that team at all. They were Agreed. like, we're, the, we're the crazy guys, and it's like I don't believe that you guys. That was ever- more like the Losers. Remember that show, The Losers? And there was another movie that came out the same time. That was I forget what it's called, but it's the same thing. Yeah, they were definitely losers. It was stupid. Uh, anyway, but I I love this pick um, because again, anytime you have a, a group that has their own 
sort of mode of operation, their own inside jokes and their own like language. Like they know how to come in. And when, when uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger does his hand signs, they all know what that means. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to tell us. You don't have to explain where they learned it. You don't have to show it. When he does hand signs, they know that they're going to flank this way and flank that way and, and fuck up these these insurgents or whatever. What are they doing when they start and they take over they're their little looking, village? It's a rescue mission. They're looking for a guy whose chopper went down behind mm-hmm. enemy lines of the these jungle gorillas. They're looking for the gorillas and the gorillas yeah, have yeah. hostages. But like I've seen that movie 20 times and my, the, still the plot is they fight a predator but like there's a whole different plot before the predator shows up <laughs> yeah, they didn't know that's what they were gonna be doing <laughs> yeah and and always every time i watch that movie when they're like they go in and fight the gorillas in the little encampment i'm like what is i don't remember this happening and then they get the the woman who knows what's happening yeah. and i'm like you don't even need that you don't even need the, the exposition for that scene you just need that scene to be like these guys are fucking awesome at their job that's and the it's point a, it's of a that great scene. action sequence right it's a great set piece mm-hmm. and it sets up the movie for like this is not a thinker this is not an acting picture this is not going to be a drama this is what it's going to be schwarzenegger's me throwing a fucking machete through a guy and going stick it out yeah um not to steal a uh to, to, i'm going to piggyback this um First, I want to qu- okay. tell a quick story where um, my dad watched Prey this week, not knowing that it was a Predator sequel and not really like putting two and two. To- and I was like, oh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's like, I don't know if I've ever seen it. And I was like, he's like, Prey just looked good. He really liked Prey. He's like, it was a really good alien movie. It was a good creature feature, really cool like effects. He thought it was like a very clever story. And I was like, there's like a whole series of these. He's like, I'll have to watch them. I was like, how funny <laughs> is that? For somebody, he's like, and he's like, and Prey is because he only hunts the prey and not predators. And I was like, also because it's a play on the word, the predator, which is the movie that it came from. He was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Oh. <laughs> Has he seen the predators? He just didn't know it was a predator or is he not seen those? I don't know if he's seen any of the predator movies. We're going to have to, wa- I'm going to have to make him watch them now. I th- he yeah. had to have seen the first one. He's had to have known. I mean, like Kevin and I have like 30 predators a piece on our, on our wall. And like, um, the the thing I wanted to piggyback off of is anytime you talk about like military teams that like show up and kick ass, um, how about in The Rock? Um, you have Ed Harris's team and he shows up and they just take over The Rock, uh, the the Alcatraz, and right. he's got a team like Tony Todd's on there and John C. McGinley and um, David Morris and like you have like all these like big stars who are like on. Ed Harris's team and they take the rock and then they have a mission to, to fight for our brothers who died and you didn't do anything for him. You left us out there to die. And uh, <laughs> they take over Alcatraz and only the lone uh, bomb diffuser guy <laughs> played by Wiener Nick Cage um, has to break in, but he needs his he, he needs his Hannibal Lecter, so he has to go break out Sean Connery in prison. <laughs> Ludicrous movie, but I love The Rock so much. Like, might be one of my favorite. Up there with Face Off for me is like 1996, 1990s action films. <laughs> I think that's fair. I like The Rock is not one of my tops in that genre, but I understand it's a foundational of, of, of the genre that you just described. I know yep. why it's good. I know why it's important. It's just... I think I just haven't seen it as much as I've seen some of the others. So it doesn't have uh, the significance for me personally. Also, it was like first or second rated R film I ever saw. Mm. I think the first rated R film I ever saw was Air Force One. And then I saw The Rock in theater. Yeah. 
in theater, dude. We've been friends for like 20 years, but still every 700 times you say theater, I giggle. And I'm like, this is my adorable little roomie right there. <laughs> I was at the theater. And dearest Rumi, we were at the theater watching The Rock starring Sean Connery and a young Nicolas Cage. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it blew my mind. Like, it blew my mind. I'd never seen something so badass in my life. Like, me and my friends would, like, play The Rock later. Like, we got to sneak in. It's a we played Under Siege. <laughs> siege? <laughs> we played Under Siege, specifically on a couch with a full-body punching bag on the floor next to it. And we, we pretended that the couch was the battle, like the aircraft carrier that most of the action takes place on. And then that the, the other thing was the submarine that pulls up alongside of it and he ends up blowing a hole in. I forgot that Under Siege is basically the rock, but on a boat. Yeah, it's the floating rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's a glacier, essentially. Uh, pretty good, man. Um, all right, what else you got? What is another team? Teams, teams. All right, here's one of my favorites, but I know you're going to wince at it. And I'm trying to think if I should hit it now or later. I'll hit it. I'm going to hit it now. Hit it. Can he hit it? Yes, you can. Uh, great baller action movie. One of those movies that makes me want to fucking fight people. I think it's so awesome. Can find pretty much. I don't want to say there's nothing wrong with it. There's plenty wrong with it. But it's fucking awesome every time I watch it. And I know you hate it because you're dumb. The Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> the Warriors has... Some of the coolest team dynamics. Hey, for this list, you can have the Warriors. I'll give it to you. They're a good <laughs> team. They at least have their shit together as a team. It well, I, make you it know what it is? Movie. I love, I love, and, and I said we were going to hit this later, and this is where we can hit it. I love the idea of the guy down the chain that thinks he's ready to take over, and the leader puts him down. And that happens in this movie with a couple of words and a look. And I just think that's so much cooler than having the established leader who we are rooting for as the audience because he's the protagonist knock down the jock or the, you know, the heavy that's usually a physically imposing guy, but he lacks the subtlety. He lacks the intelligence. He lacks so you, the forethought to be the leader. And so we know that, but he like can't, that he's a dick. You just like that he's a dick. No, well, in this movie, it's in, in Warriors, it's Ajax, played by um, James Remar. Yeah. And you have Swan, who's the leader, who is the de facto leader in this, because he's not the original leader in the Warriors. The original leader, Cleon, gets ambushed and taken down. So Swan becomes this leader in the middle, you know, in the heat of battle, so to speak. And at one point, Ajax is like, I should be war chief. I should be the leader. And Swan just looks at him and is like, it's not the time for this. And another guy chimes in and is like, not now, Ajax. And Ajax backs down. I just think like he could have said no. And he does say, I should be the leader. And they just look at him and Swan looks at him. And I just love that he's like, you couldn't do this. And Ajax eventually is kind of like, you're kind of right. And I just, I think that's so fucking cool. I love this movie doesn't have as, in my opinion, even though Walter Hill wrote and produced both movies, I don't think this movie has the uh, depth and dynamic of characterization that the Space Marines do. Um, there's a couple key guys who are important, but for the most part, it's just this group of kids who lives in this weird pseudo-futuristic gang society, and they literally, backs to the wall, back to back, 
bop their way back to Coney. And I just think it's so cool that they're like, we're behind enemy lines and we need to get from here to there. We're going to put all of our petty squabbles aside, even though I'm not really supposed to be the leader and you're definitely not the leader. Fuck it. We're going to go back and we're going to go back hard. And I just think I, I, again, I feel like these guys have been in fights together. These guys have saved each other's asses together. And these guys would take a punch or a kick or even a knife for each other. And I just, again, you start that movie and I believe that going in just how it's set up, how it's written, how it's delivered. Brothers in Arms for sure. That movie's interesting for people who don't know. Basically, it's in like this sort of fake history New York where all the gangs wear goofy fucking costumes. Um, they're kind of cool. I, I I am deriding the movie more than it deserves just because it's a gimmick that we have. Um, it, 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 so the Warriors, um, they all wear like, I don't know, what was it Native vests, American themed vest? Yeah. But there's like leather vests with like skulls and chief Native American looking headdresses on the back. Yeah, um, but there's like a, a the baseball furies are these dudes with like painted faces and baseball bats. There's a bunch of dudes with top hats and roller skates. Like, um, but all the gangs are brought together for like a truce, and they're gonna make some money. And this is where you get the big line. I'm sure everybody's heard. Can you dig it? And this one like I don't know gangster is going to unite all the gangs. He gets assassinated, and everybody blames the warriors. And so they were way out of their element. They are way off their turf, and they have to get back from where they were uh, on the south side of New York and get all the way back to Coney Island. And all the other gangs are after them the whole way because they think they destroyed this truce that was going to make everybody profit, make everybody a stronger gang as a whole. Yeah. Um, so they just have to like fight their way back. But spoiler alert, they do very little fighting. They mostly run away and throw no, like, a couple of punches. Fi- see, <laughs> Rumi and I watch a different movie at that point because I see these guys just fucking fight and just slamming gang after gang down and kicking ass. And I see them throw two punches and then run away and then do a lot of running and then punch a few times. I mean, it's not that they're not fighting. I'm just saying it is not that is not a swashbuckling movie by any means. <laughs> it is a it is more a movie about running and 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 hiding and and trying to hang you know not get beat up and throwing people through toilet stalls and into windows and through the top of doors and 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 into oncoming trains every couple scenes they do start a fight (laughs) they never finish a fight they just run away i mean literally that's part of their they need to get from the the idea is not to win the fight the idea is to get home I understand the plot. The plot's solid. I'm not complaining about the plot. I'm just complaining that the movie does not have enough actual Do you agree fight that the, the team is like, it's a good team dynamic. It's a good yes. team movie. I I'm giving you that for this list. Absolutely. They, you feel like they are a gang that has, has survived in the tough streets of New York together. Um, they obviously aren't eating the hot dogs at Coney Island. They are, uh, you know, <laughs> training and, and doing their cardio because they run real good. <laughs> <laughs> Look, There's even a song on the soundtrack called Nowhere to Run. Uh, maybe if they had a better, better fight choreographer, maybe I like it better. But because the, they're just not, I don't know. There's nothing entertaining. The fights just don't grab me. They're fine. Not fancy. It's bare knuckle shit. <laughs> this is funny. We got to get someone from that show, someone to be on this show. Why? Because they can tell me how out. what an idiot I am. <laughs> well, I was, sure. well, the second I started saying that, I was like, like some of the show is going to be like, yeah, no, he's right. That movie kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The fight choreographer. I'll try to get him on here. Uh, if we ever get to do a live show, I will absolutely do the Warriors with you and and take all the hate and and just make it happen. <laughs> a live show, like a live screening of it, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I would do a live screening of the Warriors any day. That'd be pretty funny. 
because it's a, it's, a, it's a unique movie. It's very very unique. It definitely is not. That's like not one of my on ride or die like true fucking love. I I am on board for that. Like you know what it is. This is the best way to describe it. I would watch that movie if I was there's no channels anymore. But if I was flipping through the channels and that movie was halfway on. I would stop and watch, watch it. it, you know, and there's very few movies that I could say that I would do that with. Absolutely. Um, let me see if this fits your list. Let me ask you this. Uh, A maybe, League of Their Own counts. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Use, because they are already a team at this point. The yeah. first one, they're kind of a team. Any Ninja Turtle, in any iteration, it could have been comics or whatever, but like any iteration. But I, I, I they did not make my list on purpose, and I'd love to know. Why so, they're on your list? Of they're on team. my list because they acknowledge the archetype of a team. Leonardo leads, Donatello does machines, <laughs> Raphael is cool but rude, and Michelangelo is a party dude. So you have your leader. You have to have a leader. You got to have your leader. You know, Cyclops sure. is a leader for a reason. Um, Donatello, does, you have to have your smart guy. You got to have your tech guy. You got to have your wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it's it's always goes back to the original four archetypes for fucking D anD. d You got your leader. Who's usually the warrior? You got your wizard. Um, you got your bruiser. Raphael is cool but rude. Sure. I don't think they they in later iterations of it. Like Raphael is a beefier turtle. They they play him as the bruiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your wild card, Michelangelo is the party dude. He's there to like. Well, we don't know what he's gonna do. Wild card, bitches. Like, um, you have to have that. That's what balances you out in the X Men. Wolverine's your your wild card. You, you know, you you, you have to marry Michelangelo to Wolverine. I'm just saying as the archetypes, you fit you fit the slots. You have your archetypes to a team. Right. I, 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 I'll give it to you. That actually makes sense. And I didn't think of it that way. But you're right. They are a very good, like, prototypical team. And and they say it in the song. And it's a catchy fucking song. I, you know, it's fucking great. Uh, so because the Ninja Turtles really shine at exemplifying the archetypes of a team and they work as a team and as a family, as brothers and you know they you know that they love weird pizzas with like anchovies and fish heads on it and like goofy shit like that and i just always loved how the ninja turtles gave each other shit but also like pushed each other to to be better to be better martial martial artists to be better uh teammates to be better at hiding or whatever it is they were trying to do they always pushed themselves and pushed each other and um you know ninja turtles are just always a classic for me like fucking love ninja turtles i remember they pushed michelangelo into doing birthday parties and they pushed raphael <laughs> into surfing <laughs> raphael became a magician dude. yeah that's what it was uh, like, years and years and years ago we did an episode about like worst toys and we covered a bunch of the random ass like 13th string of playmates um Ninja Turtles, man. Ninja Turtle toys, including like birthday party Michelangelo and birth, like all that random shit. Where you're like, wait, what? That's Can just a imagine? costume on Leonardo for absolutely no reason. While Michelangelo is blowing up a fucking balloon animal, he's like, I threw a man with razor blades on his wrists into a trash truck and off a building, crushed. <laughs> In later iterations, I've traveled through time. I've traveled through dimensions. I've been on stage with a vanilla ice. And here I am blowing up this goddamn balloon. I love in your idea. Like, I don't think like I love it. In your idea, which I think is different than when Playmates released the figure. Yours is like 
down on his luck in the skids, Michelangelo. Like his career is behind him and over it. Now this is what he's got to do to buy jelly bean pizza, right? <laughs> is to fucking blow up, <laughs> blow up balloon animals. <laughs> I traveled through time. <laughs> I got to make this kid a fucking lion. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny? The surprise at the end of the last Ronin is only three of the other. Like, uh, oh, there's only two dead turtles. There's one last Ronin, and then Michelangelo's like, "I got My out God. a long time ago. I've been doing birthday parties for years." He's What's just this? a sad clown. Like the foot soldiers feel bad for him, so they don't even try to kill him. They're just like, "Is that fate? Is a fate worse than death?" <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what his name was as a clown. <laughs> hey, fun fact. Your clown name. You ready for this, Ruby? Your clown yeah. name is your first name plus your last name. There's your clown name. You got it. <laughs> I think in my case, that's definitely fair. <laughs> I remember doing, I was on a movie, an alien yeah. movie. Yeah. And in the trailer, there were two directors and the one of the directors had a daughter and she was in our trailer the whole time because she thought it was cool. And it wasn't a trailer. It was like a room. But she was playing with all our shit. We had this, all these hand, like latex hands and shit like that. And then I started doing not real magic, but like fake ass, terrible sleight of hand that could fool a little seven year old girl, but not like a human. And I remember she looked at me and she got so excited and she said, Rumi's doing sleight of hand right now. How'd you do that? She was like, you're magic. And then she thought about it and she went, you're a clown. (laughs) I was like, I don't think you know what clowns are, but you're not mistaken. <laughs> I'm more of a clown than a magician. Oh, that's yeah. for sure. Um, I used to do magic. Um, and then I realized, like, I can't do magic into high school. I'll be destroyed. I, like, they'll, they'll kill me. I can't yeah. do this. And I also realized that, like, I was doing it to do birthday parties and make a little money. And it was fun. But, like, little kids don't give a shit. After I, I just- made the third kid disappear, I decided <laughs> I should probably do visual effects. but literally you can look at a kid hold your closed fist up with nothing in it and just open your empty hand and go and they go yeah yeah you could trick them into thinking magic you don't really have to do anything you don't really have to do anything you'd be like look over there and they all turn you could throw it behind your back and be like ta-da doesn't matter you don't have to be good at it you ever have a kid show you magic where they like they show you a penny and then they put it in their hand and then they put their hand in their pocket and pull their hand back out and open their hand and there's no penny. And they're like, disappeared. Yeah. And you're like, uh, fuck you, Tom. I watched you do that. I watched you put it in your pocket. I love the kids. <laughs> you're like, now turn around. No. Yeah. Um, close your eyes. No. Put this blindfold on. You're not kidnapping me or making that quarter disappear. So <laughs> lose, lose. Nice homie. try, Michelangelo. <laughs> Oh, so good. Yeah, I I don't know. Ninja Turtles is always just a solid. Yeah, I think. Yeah, just getting it right back into that scene. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is actually really good. And I did. I didn't. I I I guess I specifically thought of the movie, and I was like, the movie does a really good job. The first movie does a really good job of Leo versus Raph. The TMNT animated movie did a really really good job of the two of them, and actually the other guys as well. But I, I guess I wasn't the. I guess it's more like the um the overall idea of those four turtles and the comics and some of the later cartoons did a much better job of, of developing them as a team. But you're right. I think they are a pretty good prototypical. And like, I don't hate 
the Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It really is just like special effects movie with these right. guys. Um, you know, it's a special effects movie where like they literally were like, how do we get this scene where they're sliding down a hill in snow? And like, there's no snow anywhere near New York. And they're like, well, we'll just have them drive for five minutes in the movie. And you're like, doesn't make any sense. But at the end of the day, like for a big action spectacle with turtles, who cares? It wasn't good, but I didn't hate it as much. Like, I was going in thinking I would hate it. And it's like, I don't care. Like, I, it's fine. I, yeah, there's there's other versions that I like less than this. And it's not necessarily like any worse, but it's just like, keep making versions. Like, keep making. As long as the archetypes are there or who the characters are, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fun. Right? Yeah, I'm, I agree. I Okay, I'll put them on my team list. All right. Who do you got? Uh, speaking of team list, let's see. All right, I'll hit you with another strong one. Okay. My absolute favorite cowboy movie, Wild Bunch. Oh, yeah. I just, that movie starts and they're in the the ranger costumes. They're in the good guy costumes and they end up doing this huge heist that turns into an absolute massacre. And you know that these guys are not to be fucked with. And then they get back to where they are and it turns out there's a setup and they find all these washers instead of money. But there's that thing where one of, there's two brothers in the gang and again, that's your Drake and your Vasquez characters who are t- their their own separate thing, but they're not really happy with the the leader Pike. I think his name is Mike uh, William Holden, and they're not really happy. And one of them's like, "I should be the leader," and Pike is like, "Fuck you, try it." And again, he's like, "Well, I think I should be, but you keep being the leader for now." It's just I love that like Mad Dog Wolf thing of like, "I'm the alpha." If you want to try to take me down go ahead but get ready i just think that i i like that i think that's cool but i don't know if i've ever seen a movie where that has been played out where like somebody's like i should be leader and they're like go ahead and and they do and they win i've never seen a movie that's where the where, that the, way. where the, the the bigger guy wins where where the person challenging the leadership takes over like there's a coup mid, i think i like, have but then the leader always comes back right didn't that happen in uh black panther I haven't Didn't seen... he lose his seat in something? Yes, you're right. Eh. I think that happens a couple. I, I I feel like I've seen it, but I couldn't give you too many examples. But but like, no, he just kills him. Like, that's how the movie starts. Is this new person? The leader just leader. goes down. Yeah, and now because... you're like this loose cannon kind of fists before brains guy is in charge. Yeah, I'd watch that. That'd be an interesting way to kick a movie off. Like, start with like, oh, the archetypes have been switched. That's a good way to kick it. Because you wouldn't expect it, right? You'd think yeah. that the main, what you may make out to be the main character is, oh, I could see that. But this yeah. movie I love, and I had, you so have, good. you know, uh, William Holden plays the, the leader, mm-hmm. and his ride or die, his sidekick is Ernest Borgnine. And Ernest Borgnine just does whatever William Holden says. And it's... I don't think it comes from a sub. I mean, it comes from a submissive place, but it looks like he idolizes William Holden. And if William Holden says waste everyone in this town, if William Holden says ride into hell, if William Holden says stay in this room until I come back, Ernest Borgnine is going to do it. And he says numerous times, he's got a line in the movie where he keeps saying, I'll do whatever until hell freezes over or you tell me different. And that movie happens and you know that if you haven't seen wild bunch it's so fucking good but spoiler alert at the end they essentially march into what should be impending doom and ernest bornine is literally sitting outside waiting for it and william holden just walks out looks at him and starts walking and ernest bornine just gets up and he's like yes 
because he's waiting for it and he needs his leader to give him that okay. And to me, just those guys, even if there's hate amongst them in the group as individuals, they are a unit and they're going to take down the bank. They're going to take down the train. They're going to take down the whole fucking Spanish, not Armada, but the Spanish army. If that's what they're trying to do, the Mexican army, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love that. Like we're brothers and you know, yeah. I guess brothers don't always have to love each other, but brothers are brothers, and that's there, you know? It's ride or die for sure. That movie's so interesting because it really is about the end of an era, the end of cowboys, and they keep realizing mm. that they're getting old. Their position in the world as, as bandits no longer exists. There's no need for bandits. There's no real desire for bandits, and they're coming up against technology in weapons mm. that is making them feel old, and they go out with Guns blazing, one last ride, and killed probably three hundred people in this glorious so shootout. Cool, that movie is oh so good. Oh my god! Once Ernest Borgnine gets on that fucking Gatling gun, just World War One machine gun. It's just incredible. Yeah, that. But I just feel great. that's one of those movies. Again, at any given scene, I'm just like, this is the hundredth time that these five guys have done this together. You know, I believe it. I believe it. Hook, line, and sinker. Okay. Okay. Um. How about the Ghostbusters? I was thinking about that. Hit, hit, hit me. What? Give me your thoughts. So the Ghostbusters, as they are, you have Egon, Ray, and Peter Venkman. Sure. Egon Spangler, Ray Stans, Peter Venkman, and then they hire Winston Zedmore, who always gets left off the promotional material, probably because he's black. That's not fair. That's not right, guys. Come on, let's keep let's keep Winston. He also in the doesn't picture. know a lot about ghosts. To be fair, <laughs> he's like, look, he's what? the only non PhD <laughs> in the group, right? <laughs> I've seen shit that'll turn you white. Um, I fucking I fucking love Ernie Hudson in that movie. Um, and they're professors, uh, paranormal professors. They've been friends forever. They they have this paranormal department at the college they work at. Obviously, they've been a team for a long time, and they have been getting shit from the dean for ages. <laughs> Which to me is like that's a movie in its own right, not one that we need to see. Please don't make that movie. That Ghostbusters. Yeah, right. It's the, you know, Ghostbuster House. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you know that they've been catching some shit for years because at the beginning of Ghostbusters, they get kicked out of the college, and they're like, "What are we going to do to make money? What are we going to do?" And they're like, "We're going to go. We're going to go into business for ourselves. We can do this, right?" And they they become a the ghost busting team, but you know they've been friends forever. They know they've been through the ups and downs forever. You know they know their little quirks. They're like, huh, Peter Vankman's off like lightly sexually harassing women. That's cool, silly Peter. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you Ray guys, getting blowjobs from ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bustin makes them feel good, man. What can you do? Um, <laughs> Man, Ghostbusters is way more problematic than I thought going into this conversation. Some good action figures, though. Fuck yeah, and great comic books and some sweet tech. I got a proton pack now, man, let me tell you. Um, but they, they become a team. They put it together. They become a business. And uh, they bust some ghosts. I Man, I grew up on that cartoon. So, like, watching it religiously. I, lo- I had the, the, the little blue backpack, the blue proton mm-hmm. pack, that goofy uh, PKE meter. With the um, spinning on the back, spinning things. Oh, I just got a the Geiger meter. I just got a Geiger meter. You want to see it? Yeah, it's right here. Let me grab it real quick. Here, vamp for a little bit. Vamp for a second. Say some shit. Okay. Ugh. Now I got to look up more stupid bullshit that this idiot bought. Oh, look, and he walks away with his man bun. Good. Maybe you should get a haircut instead of a fucking PKE meter. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to have you. Good. Good to have you back. Good to have you back. It wasn't too long. Hey, check this thing out. I got this fucking. 
the sweet PK meter and it turns uh, for on. For people who are not watching, first of all, you should watch the YouTube because you get to see cool shit like this. Kind of see it. What is this from, Rooms? So this is from Ghostbusters 2. This is a prop. This is called the Geiger meter. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna turn, turn your off. background off. I am. I am. I am. Um, video setting. Oh, background effects. None. Here, you get to see my boring background. For those of you who can't see it, it kind of looks like uh, like when you go to like uh, Disney on Ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at those little antenna. They look like little recording microphones. Testing, testing. It's exactly what they are. This is built from an old recorder, and it has uh, it has a spinning device in the middle. It has a little knob on the side, and this is called the Geiger meter. But uh, it was first seen in Ghostbusters two, and uh, I got it from uh, John Wrightson. So thanks, John Wrightson. Much appreciated, bro. Who's John Wrightson? Uh, he is one of our makeup effects artists. He's a fucking incredible talent as a sculptor. But he didn't make that, did he? No, he no, 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 no. He, he, he bought it from a, a different prop maker and I bought it from him because he's like, cool. I'm not, he's like, you know, it was fun. I had it, but I don't use it anymore. And you just bought a proton pack. I think you need this. I was like, I think I need it too. You wee, do. Wee, 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 wee. You could almost like you're 50% of the way to busting your own ghosts. Busting makes me feel good. It's like in the NES video game where you have to like buy traps and you're like, where would you fucking buy ghost <sighs> traps from? Can we not talk about the NES video game? <laughs> that, that video game sucks so bad. Like, oh, that my could be God. a whole episode. It's just how hard that game sucks. How bad that game sucked. But the one that came out for a generation ago, the Ghostbusters yeah. game, it was just called, it, it was so good. Wow, that's all you wanted from a video game. They nailed it. Like, I could not. Right. 10 out of 10. Let me ask you this, though. As far as the team goes, you said, um, like, your, your, your argument for Turtles was that the Turtles have these these necessary tropes these they fulfill these things that teams should have yep why do you feel ghostbusters as the same sure you have um so so egon's the brains he's obviously sure. doing the tech ray is 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 the mechanic he's he's fixing the car he's making the he's making the the like the physical like boots on the ground stuff work Mm. And then, uh, you know, uh, Peter Venkman's the sexy one. He's, 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 uh, you know, drumming up business by being a, a sexy motherfucker. Um, <laughs> and, and, and Winston's your heavy. He's the one who's like, look, you, you pay me. I'll show up and spray the wall with fucking ghost blood. I don't care. Like you tell me what needs to get done. I'm going to fucking come here and do it. He, he's, he's their tank, man. So it's like they fit, they fit the molds sort of. It's it's much looser for Ghostbusters. It's definitely not as defined as like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but they're a team. And here's what I like about it: they're kind of sloppy, and that's kind of what makes it fun. They usually you're like the, the Bad News Bears of teams, huh? Hey, why do we put Bad News Bears on the list? That's that was the fifth one on my list, but we weren't going to do sports teams, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're definitely the blue collar team. Um, ooh, that lends right into my next one. Okay, go ahead, take it. Let me see if I have anything else to say about Ghostbusters. No, that's it. <laughs> Slimer's funny. <laughs> he he, Slimer funny. Um, remember when he just became like the goofy, like he, like the cartoon made him a sidekick, but then when it became right. the real Ghostbusters and Slimer, like right. he just his goofy level ramped up to twelve. I'm the baby, gotta love me. It's like oh, I, no, no, it was fine. Yeah, that's it when was I was fine. That's when the cartoon pissed me off. I love like the original like first two seasons, but when it went to Ghostbusters and Slimer, I was like. Look, I've drink- been really into Ghostbusters, and we've been watching the original couple yeah. seasons. They're fun. We've right? watched the first couple, se- and we do it out of order, or whatever. And sure. we don't really, like, you know, I'm watching it with him, so I'm not watching all the episodes. But some of them are really fucking good with great stories, like 
the boogeyman and I forget which character. So but one scary. of them is like afraid of the boogeyman. This, and the he, boogeyman as an adult, is he's, it's almost like it level of like scarring and tra- trauma. It's great. But to me, watching those now, again, I haven't watched them by myself where I could focus. I don't notice a difference between the teammates. I don't notice that like this guy is this. Like, obviously, Egon's is the brain and Venkman is like the clown. I think he's the Michelangelo of the group. Mm-hmm. But I don't like Ray is just kind of interchangeable with Winston, at least in what I've seen so far. So that and I know the movies are, are different, too. But even that, I can't tell you too much of what Ray did versus what Winston did specifically in the movies. So sure. I'm That's, not thinking that. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead with your other. Um, speaking of like teams that suck, but get their ass kicks, but get get it done at the end of the day. Um, I wanted to bring up Mystery Men. Interesting. When do you think the last time that title slash group came up on a podcast uh, opening weekend anybody who has a flaming carrot podcast mm, okay Go so ahead. never so never <laughs> yeah um, so the mystery men was a movie for those of you who don't know <laughs> which is actually a really funny movie like i remember liking it. i didn't see it until long after its initial release but i thought it was way better than like life gave it credit for at the time so yeah yeah so it's a 1999 American superhero comedy film. And for what it was doing, I think it deserves more credit than for what it actually pulled off, if that makes sure. sense. Sure. That's I think that makes that's a good way to say it. So Mystery Man is based off of Bob Burden's Flaming Carrot comics. And for those of you who are like, wait, what? Flaming Carrot is a blue collar hero whose head turns into a giant carrot that shoots flames out of it. You're like, wait, that wasn't in that nineteen ninety nine movie. You're right, it wasn't. Because they based it on the background characters of the Flaming Carrot universe, which were the Mystery Men, which were people with unspecific shitty powers um, that Bob Burton created. It had a stellar cast. I'm talking Ben Stiller, Hank Azaria, William H. Macy, Greg Kinnear, Janine Garofalo, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman himself, uh, Kel Mitchell from Keenan and Kel. Jeffrey Rush was the bad guy. Eddie Izzard is in it. Um, That's the one Tom, I remember the most. And Tom Waits. Tom, fucking Tom Waits is in this thing. It's a total bomb. The movie bombed. Bombed. But what it was trying to do is basically what Watchmen succeeded at doing, which was let's take these superhero tropes, break them down, and put that into a completely different context. And w- which obviously that formula worked later. That became bread and butter. That's why we have what we have now is because people were breaking down and deconstructing superhero genres. And that's why we're exhausted of superheroes movies now. This one tried to do it first. And everybody went, yawn. Why didn't Ben Stiller make a funny movie? <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> that's not fair. Um, I don't, I don't love this. I really don't love this movie. But at the end of the day, I like, I think it deserves so much more credit for trying to do something that we didn't know we wanted. But like some, like the guy who wrote it, Bob Burton, uh, he's like, yeah, this, he was way ahead of his time in this mm. concept. Whether the movie pulled that off or not, sure, up for debate. Some people love it. Literally, this week was like somebody was talking about how much they love this movie. And I was like, that movie? And I, yeah, it's like my favorite movie of all time. I was like, why? I was like, because it, it took the piss out of superheroes well before they, we knew they needed it. And it's like, before we had The Boys, before we had Watchmen, you had Mystery Men. And I was like, that's interesting. And it's a, completely dysfunctional team of failure idiots who have to come together to save the day. And I was like, that's, that is definitely worth talking about. That's something that's interesting. I agree. And I remember, like I said, I didn't see it when it first came out and I wasn't into superheroes at the time. 
I saw it way later and was like, why aren't more people talking about this? It's not great, but it's better than it is touted as. And then it was one of those where like, I think a couple of years went by yeah. and maybe even it could have even been with you or when I live with you, it came back on my radar and I was like, let me watch this again and see if it's as good as I remember it being. And it is. And again, it's not, it's not the first, it's not the best, but it does what you just said. It's funny. You said Watchmen. That's like one of those roomy things where like, I was going to compare it to Watchmen. It is not as good as Watchmen in any arena, but it does try to do something different that most of us have not seen before. And I think it succeeded at what it was trying to do, just not commercially. You know. Now, here's something interesting about it. You remember back in the 90s where movies all came out with like fucking bitching soundtracks? I'm looking at you, Godzilla. Like, fuck yeah, I do. I was just listening to the Mortal Kombat soundtrack with Ken the other day. The Crow, Matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, this one absolutely came with a fucking baller ass soundtrack that had some some pretty interesting uh, some things on, but but most notably, it was the first one to have a little song by Smash Mouth on it before your favorite Green Ogre had it. They had, and they were in the original music video for it, "All Star" by Smash Mouth. Oh, do you need me to sing it for you, Rumi? I don't need it, but I want it. Somebody once told me. <laughs> I like that you did it from the beginning. I thought you were just going to go from the chorus, but hey, I like no. that you went. No, no, star. Game on. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that movie wasn't didn't belong to Shrek first. It started as the the one of the big songs for this movie, and they were the scenes from this movie were the music video for All Star. How about that? Uh, great. Facts. And then Shrek was like, "We could use that because no one saw that movie. Don't worry about it." <laughs> Literally, that's what it says here. Talking about this, it's like. They didn't want to waste the song, so they tried to find another movie that could use it because it felt like it was a waste. <laughs> In like the bargain bin there. They were like, this song is still good. Anybody want this song? <laughs> Barely used. <laughs> like guys, new condition. This song is in like new condition. <laughs> Going to be a huge hit. Just got to find the right <laughs> ogre to pair it with. <laughs> um, well, I still have... We're, we're like an hour in... I still have one or two decent ones, and then like, like I could probably pare that down to one and do some honorable mentions. Where are you at in your list? Um, let's see. Not a sports team. No, that's a sports team too. The Miami Sharks. You can do sports team if you feel like um, they were together. The Bears. Uh, the Milwaukee Bears. Like Miami Sharks. There's a movie about Miami Sharks. Uh, any given Sunday. Not real sharks. It's a bit football team. I want to watch a movie. What What was the there's a Sharks, San Jose Sharks. I want to, there's a hockey team called the San Jose Sharks. I would watch a movie, you pick the genre, where they have to deal with real sharks. That would be cool. Little giants. And they have to use hockey skills to, to get out of the trouble, situational uh, and over the course of the movie. So I got, I got one I could do here. Yeah, I, I, got, I got one or two. All right. Um, okay, here's one that is not the first on my list, and it might be the most subtle, mm-hmm. but Outpost 31. Like the guys in the thing, I believe that they were at that outpost together. I believe that that was their job. I believe that McCready and, and the book is a lot different than the movie, but I believe that McCready is a helicopter pilot and that's his job, but he hates being He hates being stuck there. He hates being with, with these fucking eggheads doing their experiments. I believe that all those guys were there. I think uh, when the guy, the, the, the burned out druggy guy says that he was waiting for old Capitan to use his pop gun i think that one throwaway line has an undercurrent of tension that all these men like can you imagine i've been to like camps with teams 
I've, we've both been on movie sets, right? Where we're away from home, stuck with people who maybe are not the people we want to be with. Sometimes sharing, a, you know, a hotel room or at least, a, you know, an apartment or something or even a trailer with. But like, mm-hmm. can you imagine being away from humanity and just with a handful of other dudes in a pretty small space that you are literally not able to go outside? I just, there's so much there. That's why that movie's so fucking great. I feel like those guys all did their job. They all know the rules. They all know what they're supposed to do. Uh, I was talking with my friend today about like being stuck in space. She, she was explaining why you, it's hard to do like a, um, what's the word? Realistic astronaut murder whodunit. Because like four of you go up into space. There's only four of you. If you kill one of them, there's only three people left. One of them is the murder. The other two are wondering who did it. It's not a great whodunit. And also, you kind of need everybody in a spaceship to function the spaceship. And I feel like that's kind of what this outpost... It's it's 31, right? Outpost 31? Yeah, I just want to prove you wrong about this this murder whodunit in space. Man. I'm going to write a whole script just to... Just to we already are writing it. It's called Scream in Space. It's on Scream 6 in space. It's, no one it's can hear called you Nobody six. Can Hear You in Space. Nobody Can Hear You Scream 6. But um, I guess I guess it's going to have to be Scream Seven now since they put Scream Six in. Ugh, nice York. job, Hollywood. God. But like, I think in this movie you have all these guys where it doesn't matter if you like them or if you love them or if you're friends with them or you're just coworkers or if you can't stand them, you need that fucking guy because he does this job, you know. And I, when that shit happens, and clearly McCready steps up as the de facto leader in that group over the captain, I just think that again that group just to me. I believe that those guys have been stuck in the snow together for months before this happens, you know? A hundred percent. And it's one of those interesting ones where it's like that group dynamic phrase at the edges when introduced to all this like intense anxiety, intense paranoia. Mm. And that's what makes that movie so good is to see the team fall apart. Lots of movies show teams fall apart, but very few of them do it in a way that is so subtle, but also so effective. Yeah, I agree with that. I and I and I also agree that you could have done that a lot more heavy-handedly. Yeah, and still been okay. But I feel like those guys are trying to stick together. They're trying to be diplomatic and democratic about how they're doing shit. But eventually, McCready just takes the fucking flamethrower and holds the dynamite up to it, and it's like everyone listens to me. Period. I I'm know great. I'm not the thing, and I have yeah. a way to test it. I'm going to sh- show you. But you three have to get tied to that chair first. I I just, it's Lord of the Flies-esque almost. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you're now, you, you, you were in civilization, you know, before the thing came. Now things are changed. How does that change your society? But I just, I believe that those humans were living together. I just think that's a, a, a great example of a team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's tough. Like you said, so many of these movies are about inventing the team, putting the team together, the, the follies and, and trials of, of trying to make a team come together and make a team work. But like, it's interesting to dissect it a little bit when they are pre-existing. We've already been through the day one. We already have been through day 20. This is we're sure. been hundred, hundreds of days in, in this environment. And now this is when it falls apart. Cause like, you know, we see plenty of movies where it falls apart early and plenty of movies show how that happens. But this is like the end game, which is, yeah. I mean, the thing's one of the best movies of all time. Um, so let me hit you. I guess this can be my last one. How about this? Okay. Let's each do one, one more last and then yeah, one more. we could throw some honorable mentions down if we want. Yeah. How about the team slash band 
of the Hong Kong Cavaliers with Buckaroo Banzai. It's pretty good. I like that a lot. So I didn't even think of that, but I like that a lot. This is a cult film that is super weird. Peter Weller, Ellen Barkin, John Lithgow, Jeff Goldblum, and Christopher Lloyd are in this movie. Um, I don't know if I can explain the plot of this movie. It's got a lot going on. Not coherently. <laughs> but basically, Buckaroo Banzai, Peter Weller, is one of the world's greatest scientists, and he's invented this like dimensional travel thing. But he also has a band, and the band's super cool. So we cut back and forth between his band doing cool shit and his super science doing cool shit. And then these aliens want the super science. And Jeff Goldblum shows up in a pink fuzzy cowboy outfit, and he wants to be part of the team. And they're like, yeah, 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 just sit in this room. And then some aliens show up, and there's lots of special effects and some crazy band scenes where they're just rocking out. And like, I, I don't know if I can explain what Buckaroo Banzai is other than super scientist who has a band, man. Yeah, and it's it's every bit as awesome as you want that sentence to translate to. And it really bounces around all over the place. Like it is an incoherent film. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I understand why this is a cult classic because you're like, what the fuck is that? Don't care. Here comes cool aliens. Hey, Christopher Lloyd's in this movie. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, you rascal. I I I like it, and I I get that if anybody's like, I hate that movie. It doesn't make any sense. You're like, you're right. And you yeah, don't yeah. have to like it, but I'm not like, arguing with you. Liking it is just w- why why I hate it when you can like it and have fun, <laughs> like and get the, the fucking band with super scientist in it, um, and figure out what happens with the oscillation overthruster. Yep, that's what that is in that movie. Sure, <laughs> copy the, that. The Hong Kong Cavaliers are super fun. It's like an '80s synth rock band with some guitars and shit going on. But like again, here's a team that plays instruments but also helps super scientists come on like i buy it <laughs> that's kind of ninja turtles-esque they played instruments and also did a lot of science on the side <laughs> it's promoting core dude it's common core right there <laughs> guitars will forever make me think of the teenage mutant ninja turtles coming out of their shells tour forever <laughs> Ever, because I think there was more than one guitar in the band, but just I mean, you only really need one. After that, it's just excessive awesomeness. I think it was the only thing that they could play with their giant foam fingers. <laughs> They're like, um, guys, I hate to break it to you. I can't play guitar. I can't even hold a guitar pick. I can't push frets. How am I going to play a guitar? And like, can you play a guitar? Oh, I guess I can do that. I mean, better I can put my hands on it. I can convincingly look like I'm playing. Yeah, it looks more real. I think that the design, do you remember what those turtles look like? Yes, they had leather jackets and like punk I, rock. But the, even shit. the faces, they had giant faces. I think those turtles are what the rest of the Ninja Turtles have nightmares about. Like, I think like the, the, the turtles from the 1990 live action movie, when they would wake up from a scary dream, those turtles, the the turtles coming out of the shells tour turtles is what they saw in their dreams. That's, that's, that's like scary people to teenage mutant Ninja turtles is that face. (laughs) Not the ghost (laughs) that blows them. (laughs) If you guys haven't seen that and you're watching our wonderful faces on YouTube, take a quick pause and look up the Oprah video where they talk to the teenage mutant Ninja turtles. And you're like, Holy shit, this happened and I didn't know about it. I'm looking at the pictures of this tour now. (laughs) It's terrifying. They're all wearing like, fuel, for sure. jeans jackets. He's got a keytar. One of them has a saxophone. I think that was Raphael. Yeah, Raphael has a saxophone. Uh, one of them's holding a drum machine here, but I don't believe that for one second. Um, 
they're wearing like leather studs like they're glam Rip, rockers yeah yo they were and their their bandanas were all bedazzled i partially think that that coming out of their shells outfits though it was partly responsible for the bedazzler fad i think people just wanted to look like the rock and turtles yeah why are their faces so big i think it's just to see them it, in a distance yeah and so that you looks like they're singing and shit but it's it's like the possibly the worst faces that they've ever had even more so than the new mutation live action tv show which constantly gets shit on right oh, oh my god and shredder doesn't even have a proper mask like none of this is right nothing about this is okay no I, I know i, I know that I, I know a bunch of people like bought the neca toys of this too oh i know i know i know i know some of the people that worked on the actual costumes it's funny because i know that neca put out like a box set of these and it like sold out so fucking fast and i'm like mm -hmm. really those that that's the thing. If we, it, if we were at Comic-Con and that was a Comic-Con exclusive and we were also interviewing and meeting Kevin Eastman later in the day, we would have gotten that to get signed. I would have bought two. You, I mean, you better believe it. But Did you buy one of the ones when I did the, the, um, the 1990 movie figures? Did you get buy those and get those signed or was it just me? Only you did. I tried to do that and they were out by the time I got there. Yeah. Those fucking things are cool. They are very cool. Um, wow. This is terrifying right. though. Horrible. I got I got one more. I'm gonna say team, but it's a loose team. But I believe it's more like I believe the interaction of the team. Which are you laughing at me or what you're looking at? No, I'm just laughing. Uh, I was gonna make a joke about how fucking. I was gonna make a diarrhea joke. Don't worry about it. Here, continue. <laughs> just, just put me down for one diarrhea joke. I won't even say it. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> just, just put it in my stats. <laughs> Loose um, team. I was going to say something about loose stools, but loose don't worry stool. Yeah, 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 I got gotcha. yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> Not only have I lived with you for a while, but like I, we all saw that coming down your leg. <laughs> um. Okay. So this is this is one of those episodes that I prepped really quick and easy, writing the ones that I had off the top of my head. But I was like, okay, let me also just do a couple Google searches and see, like, what does the internet think are the best teams? And there was like Goonies was on there. I saw that. Saving Private Ryan, and I would put an extension of Band of Brothers, and those are really great. But I, I guess that's like built in, right? You're supposed to think that's a good team. So you've skewed pretty military like, so far, anyway. Yeah. yeah, it seems like an obvious choice, right? For um, sure. One of the ones that was on that list is not one that I ever would have considered because it, I don't think it's a true team. However, it kind of is, and I love it. But the crew, quote unquote, of the Orca in Jaws with Quint and Brody and Hooper. And I just think, like, I don't think that's a team. That's not the Warriors. It's not Ninja Turtles. It's not, you know, Space Marines. But it's three guys on a mission crewing a boat, which I think would qualify as the technical definition of a team. But it's everything that the Space Marines are not. It's everything that the Warriors are not, where Hooper and Quint hate each other. From the get-go, Brody is just literally, literally out of his element, right? He hates the water, hates it, is terrified of it. Now he's surrounded on, you know, 360 degrees by water with a man he doesn't know who, by all accounts, is a crazy fisherman. And they're on this crazy trek to try to hunt down an unknown beast. And he's like, they're just these three guys that are thrust into this boat on this odyssey together and at any given scene 
they act just like they should. And I don't believe that, like, whereas the Marines, I feel like this is their hundredth time. Yeah. I believe that this is the first time these three guys have sat down at a table together, you know? And his, his, let me ask a question. I love it. Who, who is technically the leader of that? Who's technically the leader? My boat, my, uh, he says my boat, but he says your boat, but he says my charter. So I'm saying Brody because he is in charge, right? He's the sheriff. I, this is exactly a, this realizing the dynamic that's created here is so fascinating to me because it's like the person who should not be in charge, the person who should not be doing this, the expert in this situation is certifiably insane. Like he is. Sure. You're certifiable, Quint. Exactly. The person who is in charge is terrified of the whole situation out of his element, is not an expert. The only reason he's there is because he is responsible. And this is we kind of get that a little bit in aliens. You know, they send they send the company man along and they send the sure. new the new sergeant along and they send Ripley along. And even though she's the expert, she's not in charge whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They kind of do that to her, but instead of sending Quint along, they send an entire Marine Corps. Um <laughs> and then Hooper is your tech guy. He's your he's your scientist. He's the person who has the technical know-how to help you get what you need out of this. And I love the dynamic that. Quint respects Brody because he's the law, because he's a sheriff, because of his title, and he hates Hooper, but ends up respecting him because Hooper's magic, Hooper's wizardry ends up being working in certain respects. So they kind of create that bond. They kind of create that team, that camaraderie because of their expertise. And even though they don't know how it's going to work out here on the ocean, it comes together and melds really well uh, against all odds. Which is that's I mean that's why it just works so perfectly, right? And I feel like you have that triad, and uh, I guess it is almost like when you think about the turtles or the space marines, you have these three not necessarily not necessary tropes, but these three completely different characters, and it's almost like the D and D reference you made earlier. Each of those guys has a set of skills, a set of experiences that are essential to the situation. They also have a set of weaknesses that are both individualized and also it's a stronger weakness when he's standing next to Quint or it's a stronger weakness when he's standing next to Hooper. And the dynamic between all of those, you need all three pieces of that triangle to make that boat go. You know what I mean? And I just think that at any given point, you're rooting for Brody. At any given point, you're rooting for Hooper. At any given point, you're rooting for Quint. And the, obviously, the whole time you're rooting for the three of them. And I just think that's, I, I love that movie so much. And some of the stuff, if not the stuff I love the most, is the three of them on the boat without any shark shit happening. It, whether they're arguing or looking or chumming or singing or eating or Indianapolising, it's just, <laughs> it, it really is. Is that ever a bit of our? Yeah, it is now. But I just uh, I, I think that's so cool. And I think that and I guess when we're really talking about these teams, it's that the, the dynamic, right? That's what we're we're probably drawn to the most. And I feel like this movie has, at least for me, such a giant draw in that um, that piece of the film. You know, it's the conveyance of a well-oiled dynamic that is necessary to achieve goals. And I think that that is something that makes teams work. You know, even in all the sports teams that I researched that you threw out, 
Um, <laughs> uh, they're well-oiled machines, even if they start sloppy. Rare for the Roller Boys does not count as a well-oiled sports movie, Ruby. <laughs> um, Mighty Ducks in Time does, though. Uh, no, uh, so so all these teams, even when they start out like Bad News Bears, they start out as a shit team full of goobers and whatever, you know, idiots. But they pull their shit together. And they win the game at the end. And even if mm. they lose, it's like we learned how to be a team, and that's what matters. Um, and, and I think especially, I, I'm fascinated by the idea, the dynamic that you brought up with this with Jaws. Now, in the book, there's a there's an added element to that where Brody's kind of against everybody, and everybody. It's there's a, there's a much more antagonistic dynamic because you know in the movie, him and Hooper are kind of on the same team, and Quint is kind of on the other side of of their dynamic. But in the book, Hooper's Hooper's banging Brody's wife, and he's kind of kind of aware of that. And so the dynamic is like when he gets in the cage, he's like, "I hope he dies in there." And it's like I I think changing that for the movie helped make it a more palatable thing because if just everybody was out on the ocean being pissy at each other, like that's Quint's job. It's Quint's job mm, to be pissy. Right, 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 right. If, if everybody's pissy, it's kind of a miserable thing. You're like, who do I root for here? Everybody's right. miserable, and I don't I don't love that. You know, it, it's it. One of my ethoses about showing up to work is like, I'm going to be try and be the most positive person I can there because tons of people are going to be negative. That job's already spoken for, and there's going to be people who are way better at being negative today than I am. So don't do that because you'll lose. So it's like in a movie, if everybody's doing the same character or or encroaching on other characters' sort of role, not just the job, you know, not just the cranky fisherman, but if there's too many cranky people on that boat... Like, what does that become then? What does that do to the dynamic? I don't think it's fun to watch. You need the dynamics to play off each other. If everybody was cranky, then it'd be, I don't know, just a completely different movie. Well, it's like if you think I think about the Space Marines, right? We love how those characters, any two of those characters talk to each other, but I wouldn't use the word dynamic because they're all on the same team, as you put it, right? All yeah. of the Space Marines are on the same team, even though they're ribbing, even though Hudson is so quick to give up and flip the fuck out. They're all on the same team and they all come from the same direction. You know what I mean? Whereas Hooper, Quint, and um, Brody are literally all coming from different walks of life. They all want different things out of this experience. You know what I mean? It really is three completely different beasts in one cage. Whereas Space Marines, even though they're all individualized, they're all Space Marines, right? So I think that really speaks to the difference between how each of those groups functions, right? And what we can expect from them, what we like about them, what we grow to, you know, grow with them with. It's very interesting to think about. It is. The dynamic are different. Everybody on the Space Space Marines team signed up for that. That was the we're here for a bug hunt. They they're excited to do that job. Brody is not excited to be there. And like Hooper's excited to be there, but for a completely different reason. He wants to see the biggest mm -hmm. shark he's ever seen. Like he has a scientific view. And Quint thinks they're both silly. It's uh, yeah, Ahab, that is, right? Yeah, well, and and he has a, a a bigger archetype to fill, bigger shoes to fill, um, in that respect. But it's interesting. That's a that's a good dynamic, and that's a good comparison. And like when you look at other teams, like the classic, um, you know, the Ninja Turtles. Again, I always come back to them as like a classic archetype team. Um, like you said, they're they're all coming from the same place, and that rivalry, the rivalries, and the and the the obstacles can be different, you know, bumping against your role in the team or, or bumping against the situations that you're up against. But I, I love that you brought up a team that literally doesn't work well together. Yeah. And I actually have another one of those too, but like, this is, this is one of those that like, 
it's a good lesson, kids. Even if you think you know your shit, do your research because I had plenty to talk about. I thought all my teams made good, you know, even if you disagreed with my ideas, it was a good talking point and would be good for the show. But I was like, let me just do a little bit of extra Googling and see what, you know, what are some other vibes of some people. And I never would have thought of that because I don't think it is a traditional team. But the more you think about it, it still is a team and it certainly is worthy of discussion, I think, in the same um, conversation as the rest of these guys, right? Absolutely. Hmm. Fascinating. Good one, Remy. You want to hear another dysfunction? We won't, we won't go into it for time-wise, but I thought Throwing Reservoir in, Dogs yeah. was a really good unteam team because they're thrown together. I mean, the, the nonlinear storytelling in and of itself, we don't know how these guys know each other and shit, right? One Let day, alone, like, we don't know who they are because they're yeah. you know, not, not real characters. They're just colors, right? They're just colors. But, but it's cool that there's all these different guys. Heist. We have to get into a heist. Oh, yeah, that would be episode. a good one. That would like, be I would one. love, because I love a heist film. I love a good heist film. I love the whole build your team, you know, and then there's always the the one guy and he's like, he's new, he's cool. No, but he's not cool. He's the one who flips out first. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a very good point about Reservoir Dogs. But I like that. I like, because the di- and again, that's more like the dynamic versus the team. They're not a strong team, but watching any two of those characters, any two of those characters interact was magic on the screen, right? Um, I love them. Same with the Dirty Dozen I put on that list of not a good team, but interesting to watch. And I love the original Dirty Dozen because they don't trust each other. They don't, you know, they eventually are like, you know, they're the original Suicide Squad. If you guys haven't watched Dirty Dozen, it's not special. I think it was better at the time than it is now. But when you watch it, it literally is the first Suicide Squad. And there comes a point in the movie where pretty much almost every character is like, I have to do this mission. It's in my benefit to do the best I can. So I'll deal with these other people. And there's a couple wild, wild cards. There's a couple smart cards. There's a couple bruiser cards. There's a couple, I'm an innocent inmate, but I will do this if it take, that's what it takes. And one of the wild cards fucked it up. Like something happens in the movie where one of the wild cards goes Mr. Blonde level crazy and it jeopardizes the entire mission for everybody. I think that's a fun non-team team. I had I had Suicide Squad and Dirty Dozen on here. Um, Seven Samurai I had on here. I had, I had the- Seven Samurai slash Magnificent mm-hmm. Seven. Yep. for sure. I think that's a really good one, and that's actually cool because you see what we've been talking about, like the established team, but you also kind of see them kind of get scooped up, right? You see the assembling of the the squad. Oh, I was about to go on a tangent about the Goon Squad, not the Toon Squad, not the Bugs Bunny basketball team, but the ones they have to fight who are the bad guys who steal the powers of Muggsy Bogues and, and Patrick. The Ewing McDonald's and, toys that I always wanted mm-hmm. and never got. Never got. Um, I, talking about them because here's a team that is, is if they don't do their job, like Suicide Squad, they're going to be killed by their boss. And so they have to fight Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan, which is, um, you know, no, no big... No, no big feet. And then, of course, Bill Murray shows up and he doesn't play defense, so he doesn't really play in the game. But, you know, it's cool. <laughs> um, I had another one that I, I really debated putting on this because we you watch the original Star Wars trilogy, which is the only one that really exists to me, even though the other movies do have their place, even the prequels. But the original Star Wars trilogy, you have Han and Chewie. And there are scenes where I feel like that that's Matt and Aaron. That's guys who have fucking flown from this end of the galaxy to the other. Uh, But I almost didn't put it on there because I didn't know if I was biased because I've also read how 
how many comics, how many novels, how many video games, how many fucking tenor adventures have I had myself that I'm like, can I really differentiate between how close these guys actually are and how close they are in my head? But like you think well, there's so many moments where those guys just seem like they are their own little band of brothers and they would especially like they would do anything for each other. Right. Do you know why it worked? Why it worked in the movies? Blue eyes and scraggly hair. No, it's because I never knew this until like last week when they filmed Chewie spoke English. Oh, I believe it. And they put in the rah, rah, rahs later. The and it's like, yeah, obviously, I guess that's how it worked. But on set, Chewie's like, hey, are you going to bring, are you going to come up here and help me with this dang thing? And then his wise ass reactions were to actual lines. And I'm like, that made all the sense in the world. But here it is the whole time. And I don't know why. Obviously, that's what they did. But in my I guess head, I never thought like, of that. But now yeah. that you're saying it, it totally makes Harrison Ford's repertoire back and forth work. Yeah, it does. And, and that's why. And it's one of the funniest things is like you have an entire movie where he doesn't speak any words that you understand, but he understands and they have a full dialogue. And it's mm. it's it's obvious a level of ribbing where he's like, really, did you did you mess this up on? Really, you mess it up all the time. He's like, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And like mm -hmm. the way they give each other shit and the way like Chewie just always has the right thing to say to, to either settle Han down or set him off is always just was so funny to me. And then to realize it was like, well, yeah, he just was giving him shit on set. And that's how it was in English. And I, to hear that recording was like, kind of like ripping off like the magic. I was like, oh, well, obviously I've made, I've been on films. Of course, that's how they did it. But I don't know. Like, I've been on go, films. <laughs> Why didn't he do that on set? Oh, see, I thought, I thought Peter Mayhew, who was in the suit, I thought he was just speaking and it's not Wookiees, which I literally learned. This week, it's called something else. I just read it in a comic. I don't remember what it's called, but it's not called Wookiee or Wookiees or it's a different language. But anyway, so um, when he opens his mouth to talk, it's he's speaking. <laughs> yeah, I thought, well, I thought Peter May Mayhew would be like, blah, blah. he would do yeah. his version of Chewbacca. That's what I thought, too. But <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I don't know if I actually consciously thought that. But I guess I also never I never consciously thought that it would have been English. But that makes so much sense, you know? Right, exactly. So wild. Anyway, I think guys, there's just so many there's so many moments in those movies where you feel like they have been there yeah. forever and they are blood brothers through and through, especially Empire I feel like has so many moments of that and even the the, the in the sequels when uh Han says we're home, I fucking felt that. You know what I mean? And it's it's that's his family. But Chewbacca is his number one fan, even more than Leia almost. But I, I count that as a team, as a two-man team. Two-man two Wolfpack. Team. Fuck yeah. Just like the Rocketeers, man. <sighs> well, Rumi, we got This has been a... This ran long, but I'm happy. I'm happy that we talk teams. We're a good this team. team. This team episode ran into overtime. I know <gasps> about sports. I do a sports Bell bullshit shot. now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Touchdown goal. <laughs> well, before we get go into overtime um <clears throat> anyway follow us on social media facebook instagram and twitter at launchpad pod on our website launchpadpod.com watch us on youtube tell us what teams you like what are your favorite team-based movies i would um, love to hear any that we didn't hit that you guys are like how did you not talk about x like i, I really would love to see what we missed because i'm sure there's a bunch that we didn't even think of I could think I'm thinking of a lot of team movies that tried to show you a team and you're like, I'm not buying that for one second. 
see all of this was riffing i thought you said teen movies and i was i wrote down all like 16 candles <laughs> not another teen movie which i guess shouldn't be on the list but hey that movie was hysterical when it first came out that was funny we worked on it didn't we did we work on that um we worked on i, I know i worked on epic movie yeah well i did we and did Meet snakes and stuff yeah the one with the snakes and the that the snakes was epic movie. Stuff. okay yeah i worked I, on epic movie with you i honestly had to see not another teen movie to see if i worked on it because i'd be like oh that's something that i did that's so funny what about the dream warriors no we're not talking about teams anymore we're doing our sign off i was thinking that too because i was looking at your poster i thought that too <laughs> yeah uh, let us know like we said social media launchpadpod.com Remy, let's blast this thing off executed perfectly like tme like we've been doing this forever we didn't think of the rocketeers from the ice cream man oh <laughs> there's no such stronger inspirational team at least for us at least for us and their high fives that's like on the back of our um trading card right did you yeah. know the rocketeers call themselves the rocketeer did you know the rocketeers call themselves that and they name their show the launchpad podcast because of a stupid Clint Howard vehicle that nobody knows because it doesn't even follow through on its own premise and has some farting handshake kids in it. Did you know the Rocketeers didn't even come up with their own juvenile handshake? <laughs> uh, I think we did because I went back to find that in the movie and that's not it's not the same handshake. We we invented it. past. No, that. no, no. We made our own handshake, but we yeah. kind of stole the, the, the fart noise at least with the didn't they fart as they go up? I don't remember that part, but yes. The worst was... part is I literally watched it this month. I just half watched it. <laughs> it's that forgettable. It's a very forgettable movie. Um, I was at a important business dinner this week. Um, and somebody there was like, I, I mentioned, well, I can't tomorrow because I got a podcast. I'm like, you have a podcast? Tell me what it is. I was like, you don't have to listen to it. No, 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 no. Yeah, there's and times it, that happens to me too where I'm like, not embarrassed, but you're like, it's a guy in his 60s and like the rest of the night he was like oh you call yourselves the handsome boys and i was like ah that's one of our aliases <laughs> he's like and the rocketeers you guys have a lot of nicknames i was like you know you've been in it a long time you get you get some fun nicknames for each other he's like uh-huh <laughs> and what kind of pizza do you folks enjoy there <laughs> so this guy in his 60s is about to um listen to our podcast and I told him, I was like, it's pretty sophomoric, but we have fun. You could point him towards like a decent episode. I said, listen to some Dolph Lundgren. You'll be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick to, stick to the interviews. The more high profile the interview, yeah, the, the classier less, we get. The less dumb we sound, <laughs> theoretically. <laughs> uh, well, guys, this has been a blast. Uh, until next time, we're the Rocketeers and we're out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four. Three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.